Father, I thank you that we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We will say of you, Lord, you are our refuge and our fortress, our God in whom we trust. Surely you should deliver us from the snare of the follower and from the noises pestilence. You should cover us with your feathers and under your wings shall we trust. Your truth shall be our shield and buckler. We should not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasted at noonday. A thousand shall fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand, but it shall not come nigh us. Only with our eyes shall we behold and see the reward of the wicked, because we have made you, Lord, which is our refuge, even the Most High, our habitation. Therefore, no evil shall befall us, neither any plague shall come nigh our dwelling. Father, thank you for giving your angels charge over us to keep us in all your ways. And they should bear us up in their hands, lest we dash our foot against a stone. We should tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon, shall we trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon us, therefore we set our love upon our Lord, therefore will he deliver us. He will set us on high, because we have known his name. We should call upon him and he will answer us. He will be with us in trouble. He will deliver us and honor us. With long life will he satisfy us and show us his salvation. Now for us singers, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. We shall grow like cedar in Lebanon. We that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And we shall still bring forth fruit in old age. And we shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is our rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Now, Father, thank you for revealing those things to me that you want me to know so that when I speak, it will be only those things that you will have me to say. In Jesus' name, I pray that ears are open, hearts are open to receive what the Spirit of the Lord has prepared for us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. We are starting a new series of Paul because I just love Paul's epistles. Okay, all right, Colossians. All right, now, I am excited about this, and guess what? I've just entered into just the, the, the introduction of the book. So this series is going to be called The Supremacy and Adequacy of Christ. Now, there are, I'm thinking about new converts, but, you know, we all need to hear because, we, you know, we think we know we know stuff. We forget a whole lot of this stuff, but it's just when God brings it up, it comes back to our remembrance. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay. So this is going to be part one of that title, and I'm going to start off by reading the, about the introductory, introductions of the book of um, Colossians first, before we even get to the scriptures. Amen. And so, first of all, that um, the place of writing was early, it was likely penned as were e the book uh, Ephesians, Philippians, and Philemon during Paul's first imprisonment at Rome, which that blows my mind. Every time I read that, it just blows my mind how Paul wrote from being imprisoned in bondage physically, but obviously his soul and his heart wasn't in bondage. Amen. And that's just a lesson right there for us, Amen. not to let our situations put us in captivity. Amen. Especially situations that Jesus says, I have already overcome. And so Paul was not in, 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 in bondage because that's where he wrote all of the, all of the uh, epistles to, to the various churches. And it says, doing Paul's first imprisonment, first one, it wasn't like he, he's been in prison two or three times, now he got it down to a science. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
at Rome. It says the numerous parallels of vocabulary and matters discussed in, in uh, Ephesians and Colossians link these epistles together. Also, there are many personal references common to Philemon and Colossians. Now, it says the letter is addressed to the church of Colossae, a town in Asia Minor. Now, it, these things are important, so please hear all of these little details because they're historical. They may seem boring to you, but they're really, really important for you to get a deep revelation of freedom, okay? It says, um, uh, this letter is addressed to the church of Colossae, a town in Asia Minor, about 100 miles east of Ephesus and 12 miles south of Laodicea and Heropolis. Colossus had once been a thriving trade center, but its commercial influence was waning in Paul's days. From Ephesians 6.21 and Colossians 4.7, it seems that Titius delivered both of these epistles to their respective destination. Now hold your spot there, and now let's go over to Revelation 3, uh, verses 4, 14 through 22. We're going to get some understanding about Laodicea, okay? And remember now, this is Jesus speaking to the various churches where he's commending them, and he's also... Uh, rebuking them. I can't think of a new, another word, but he, he commends them for their deeds, but he's also rebuking them for their lack of faith and their, their sinful nature, okay? And so at Revelations 3, verses, uh, beginning at verse 14, it says, And unto the angel of the church of Laodicea, write these things, saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. So, okay, there was an angel for, every, the, the, for represents the church. And Jesus is writing to them and like you, it, we're in agreement. Whatever Jesus has to say, we're in the agreement with it. He says, 15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. <laughs> I would the work you were cold or either hot. He says, you're the, oh, uh, in between. You don't stand for nothing. It's case of loss. <laughs> uh, okay. It's whatever's happening, you're just going with the flow. Okay? You don't take a stand. Christianity take a stand for righteousness. You don't go alone with things that sound good and that look good. You go for, along with what is true and right according to thus says the Lord. Okay? He, but listen to what, he's, what Jesus tells them. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. See what God is saying? I have no patience for you. You, you call by my name, but you don't take stands. Okay? Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods. Mm, 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 mm. I have become wealthy. See, this is what happens when we put our priority on having stuff more than having the Lord. Because what happens when you when that's more important, it ends up that you don't have it, it has you. Amen. Okay? He says, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. This is what Jesus is saying. With all your wealth, do you realize that you are wretched? You know nothing. You're miserable, and you're poor, blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white remnant, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, um, may not be revealed, in another word, and anoint thy eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent, for I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. 
even as I also overcame. We overcome what Jesus has already overcame. It's not like you're setting up a new standard and you got to work hard to overcome some things uh, for the first time. You're overcoming what has already been overcome by Jesus, okay? He says, and am set down with my father on his throne, and he that have an ear, let him hear what the spirits say unto the churches. He says, when you overcome this world, you will sit with the father on the throne. Okay, now, why did I bring this up? Because when, don't leave that spot, hold on to both spots. Here it says this, that this letter where the destination was gone to, and we hear that Colossae was a thriving trading center who probably looked on that they had wealth, and in Asia Minor, which where the Greeks are, they, they uh, uh, specialize in intellect, art, culture, and all of this, so they had a spirit of intelligence, intellect, that overpowered wisdom, okay? Now, all right, let me, let me read uh, my commentary back in Revelation 3 about these verses. It says, Laodicea was famous for its wealth, its bankers, its medical school. <laughs> now you understand why he said you're miserable, poor, blind, and naked. The, same, the things that they majored in, okay? Wealth, bank, finances, okay? and medical school. They couldn't even see. <laughs> Christ said that spiritually, the people of the church are poor, blind, and naked. You got outward stuff, but inward stuff is decayed. Lay up for you riches in heaven, not where the moth can come and eat it. <laughs> Glory. He says, true wealth is found only in God's grace. Yes, yes. True wealth is found only in God's grace. So what did it mean? Whatever you need, whether it was health, medical, banking, uh, stuff, whatever you need, trust God and God's grace will make provisions for you, give you favor with the people you need to have favor with and provide all of your needs. The church had no spiritual value. That's when he's talking about uh, th that you, was, you, you needed to have gold that was tried of me. Gold that was tried of me. The, the true value is like gold, but it's spiritual value, which is the true value is spiritual value, and it's like fine gold that's been tried in the fire. Have you been tried in the fire and the spiritual Holy Ghost fire because if you've been tried by the Holy Ghost fire you'll come out like pure gold and your value has worth beyond understanding he says and 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 then the virtue was the white remnant you've been washed purified cleansed by the working of the water of the word which purifies you and cleanse you and make you white as snow. When it talked about ISAB, it means that the vision, they were blind. They, they had eyes to see, but they were blind because they were spiritually blind. And so their vision was skewed. And all they can see is worldly stuff, but you can't see the spiritual things underhanding of all. Let me think, tell you, everything natural is in the spirit. It ain't no crossing over. It's all, it's, it's all in there. But as a believer, if you can't see the spiritual overtone of what's going on in the natural, then you need to get in the fire. You need some working. The word has got to work some stuff up out of you. So he urges the Laodiceans to repent of their lack of genuine faith, genuine faith and spiritual understanding. You see, when you operate in blind faith according to what thus says the word, then the Lord will give you greater understanding of the things that you need to understand that then allow you to flow in wisdom. 
And see, we don't always operate in wisdom because we're not standing in faith according to what God is telling us to stand in. And therefore, we don't have no understanding because it don't make sense. The things of the Lord don't make sense to a carnal thinking person. They can't comprehend it. They don't understand it when they're carnally minded folks. And so in order for you to rise above your situation, you're going to have to start trusting and obeying God, even in the things that you don't understand. It's not about your understanding. Faith is an act of obedience. Once you obey, you'll get the understanding. And, And so we go back over to our introduction. So you see the parallel there of the church of Colossae and the Laodicean church. Amen. It says that their commercial influence was waning in Paul's day. So you know what? The Lord will allow your wealth and all of your goods and your accumulations to dissipate to get your attention. He also may allow your physical being to get your attention. Lord, I want to hear you. I don't need no extracurricular activity to get my attention. <laughs> I'm going to hearken and obey when I hear you. And if I don't, it's just because I don't, don't know I'm hearing from you. So forgive me and speak, Lord, speak. Amen. Amen. And so, okay, now it says that the, the recipients of this letter was the Colossians Christians had been led to Christ by Ephorus. The majority were Gentiles who were progressing in their new faith. Paul rejoiced over their good spiritual condition, but the Colossian church was being exposed to a local heresy that threatened to deprive them of their spiritual blessings. Now, as I'm reading this, I want y'all to think about where we're in right now, okay? That's the, I believe this is why God says to keep on going with this series, okay? So it says that, they, okay, they were being exposed to local heresy and threatened to deprive them of their spiritual blessings. Now, Ephorus either visited Paul in Rome or was imprisoned there with him. Okay, in either case, he informed Paul of the dangerous theological era circulating in the churches of Colossae and Laodicea. In response to Ephorus' plea for help, Paul writes this epistle to the Colossians, which is also to be read in the church of Laodicea. In an attempt to check the heresy influence, the heresy was, I think, uh, syncretistic. That is, it was composed of elements drawn from paganism, Judaism, and Christianity. Now, when I look that word up, it says, Syncretistics is a combination of different forms of practice of belief. Different forms of practice of belief, okay? So now listen what it says. It was composed of elements drawn from paganism, Judaism, and Christianity. The pagan element exposed a false philosophy, and that shows up in chapter 2, verse 8. That appears to have been an early form of of gnosticism. Now, gnosticism is the thought and practice of various cults of late pre-Christian and early Christian centuries distinguished by the conviction that matter is evil and that the emancipation comes through genesis, which means a knowledge or recognition. It really means that there was a various cults that was between late pre-Christian and early Christian centuries that were distinguished by their conviction of matter being evil. And the emancipation comes through genesis, which means to get rid of it, it came from their ability to have knowledge and recognition of the evil. So in other words, In the world of believing Christians, knowledge and recognition is the knob to the door to open for Jesus to come in and free us. 
is not what you are able to perceive and, and, and accept and recognize that frees you because you can free yourself. It's your recognizing and understanding that Jesus is your deliverer and whatever is evil, only he can deliver you from it. Okay, why is this important? Because so many people think they got it, they understand it, and I'm in control. You are not in control over things that you've been in bondage to for all of your days until you met Jesus. You're not in control of generational curses that's been passed on to you. You're, you're not in, in, in control of demonic forces that has overpowered you and overtaken you, especially when you don't even realize it. So when you, when you realize that that is happening, that is the beginning of the beginning. Now, once you recognize that that's what's going on and you are aware of it, now that's the doorknob for you to turn and let Jesus in to set you free. Because your knowledge can't set you free. It's his truth that's going to set you free. Amen. Amen. This is what was going on with these various groups. Okay. So the pagan element espoused a false prophecy that appears to have been an early form of gymnasticism. This movement, movement viewed matters as evil, denied the divine creation of the universe. See, like there's no power outside of their own power based on their knowledge. Hail to many angelic beings or spiritual intermediaries existing between God and men and advocated the worship of these angelic beings. Okay, now, so you're hearing how different occults and religious cults came into place, how it actually began back during the Old Testament, uh, the New Testament times, okay? And stress secret knowledge. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Okay, now you hear about a lot of organizations that are existing and they're popular and they seem good and, and people wanna be a part of a group or a clan but you're really part of a cult because of their practices. But so many of us are so ignorant of it, we don't know. And so you innocently went into something that you didn't know or understand. And, and, but the sad part about it is that when it's brought out, you rebuke the information that's brought out and you resist it because it doesn't fit in with how you feel and what you're thinking based on the lies that they've been fed and they're telling you. Okay, I got to read that again. This movement view matters as evil, deny the divine creation of the universe, hail to many angelic beings, Catholicism fits right into that, where they pray to saints for help, where Jesus is still on the cross. If he's on the cross, you have no power where they go to a man and confess their sins and he give them absolution. Hell to many angelic beings or spiritual intermediaries existing between God and men advocate the worship of these angelic beings and stress secret knowledge received when, initiate, when initiated into their cults as the meaning of obtaining salvation because a lot well, let me just put it this way. There are churches that embrace, support, and lift up certain groups, sororities and fraternity groups, because they do good deeds. Good deeds has nothing to do with your salvation. We, have, we were born with a moral fiber. Some people just do good deeds out of that moral being, but it has nothing to do with their life in Jesus Christ. Because see, the difference is, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you will do good out of a sacrifice, not, a, out, not out of your overlap. Moralism means you have more than enough to do. Okay, like the letter I wrote to Oprah. She can afford to give and do, okay, but 
when you, you don't really have it, but you're going to sacrifice something you have to help somebody else who has a greater need than you, that's Christianity. Amen. And that is out of a love of Jesus. Okay? So these organizations give off the appearance of good, but when in fact they're evil. Now, what's the result? Because you're thinking, well, it's not any big deal because nothing happened. No, you're right. Nothing does happen. You know what the nothing is? Because Christian people who are in these organizations do not get the deep revelation, understanding, and mystery of what Jesus has to say to them. They're always on a surface level, and they can never soar any higher than that. Why? Because the enemy is going to keep you captivated by those lies and not allow you to grow. So when somebody comes out with a revelational spiritual uh, mystery that can free you, they can't see it because they're blind. We just read it in Revelation. They're blinded. You can't go deeper into the mystery and, and the revelation of Jesus Christ unless you ultimately belong to him. And you can't belong to him with one foot here and one foot there where you hot one day and cold the next day. We just read that, didn't we? And you think it's all innocent and it's good because, see, we give this and we do that. That's not the case. The case is, what is your true belief system? And if that belief system don't allow you to see the truth, something is wrong. And so you're bound, and, and the sad part about it is that you don't even know you're bound. You can't know. You need ISAB. For your eyes to open to see the real truth. This is why we can be so easily deceived by the stuff that we see and hear in mass media. Your heart has to be circumcised. That means you got to cut away all the attachments that kept you connected to the world system. So that you can hear what God is saying. Because even if you sit and you listen to that with a heart of God, you will hear what they're not saying. And you will hear what God is saying. And you'll be able to make a righteous decision that will separate you from their thought pattern, from their view. God is not looking for a a bunch of groupies. He's not coming for church organization. He's coming for born again, believing believers who are acting like a bride. A bride has been cleansed, washed, purified. What do brides do when they get ready to get married for the wedding reception? In the natural. They go get their hair done. They get pedicures, manicures. They do all this kind of stuff to make themselves appear to be beautiful. Well, we're supposed to do that for Jesus, and that means we're supposed to let that word wash us, cleanse us, purify us, to prepare us so we're ready when Jesus comes back for us. Amen? Okay, Uh, let me see. The Jewish element was legalistic in nature, retained the Mosaic law, which remember when Jesus says at the, at the, at the, uh, at the uh, supper communion table, he says, this is a new covenant, this is a testament of my blood, which means you're no longer under the Mosaic law, you're under a new covenant. And this new covenant has grace and mercy where law doesn't control you, but love does. Okay? It says, impose, and they impose circumcision, followed dietary restrictions and calendar observations and advocate asceticism. Now, they followed dietary restrictions. Remember, that was the old law, that they didn't eat things. It was for religious reasons. We don't eat certain things, hopefully, today because we know how it's going to affect us physically. But not because, you know, in Catholicism, I don't know if it's changed, but you couldn't couldn't eat meat on Friday. That's one of those laws. 
okay? <laughs> All right? Um, and, 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 and you don't condemn other people who, do, who don't follow those laws like they would do. And back in the Mosaic days, too, you would be persecuted and everything else for not following the law. Well, the law can't keep you. That's why Jesus came. Because he knew we couldn't keep the law. So grace came in and cleansed us and free us from the law. And by grace and mercy, whatever we're wrong we've done, we confess it and we're readily forgiven. And calendar observations, that means all of those festivals that the Jewish people did, which were works. Okay, and said in an advocated asceticism. But what it means is protecting strict self-denial as a mean of religious discipline, laboring. I'm, when I'm telling you, I know God had me to go through this because this is stuff we're dealing with today. Okay, that means that you have self-denied yourself like for fasting. What are your reasons for fasting? You think when you go around and deny yourself of certain foods and not eating, then that is um, a, a, a religious discipline that's going to make you right in the sight of God. Pious and righteous and holy because I'm fasting. That's why Paul said, don't let people know when you're fasting. Okay? Let me tell you, that's a spiritual discipline that you do to help break the strongholds off of you to awaken you so God can do what he needs to do in you. You're not making no sacrifice because you've given up stuff. The stuff we give up is the stuff that's killing us. So how are you sacrificing? You're, you're doing it because so, you want to be free. Not to prove that you're righteous. There's nothing we can ever do to prove that we're righteous in the sight of God. If it was, he wouldn't have sent his son Jesus to be persecuted, crucified, and died on the cross and shed his blood. It wouldn't have been a need for that if man could make himself appear to be righteous. We're righteous because we've been covered by that blood. Because we recognize that cross. Amen. 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 So stop doing these spiritual disciplines out of religion. That's a religious spirit. And yet and all of the labor that you do for Christianity, that's not going to get you into heaven. You, you can work to your complexion change. That's not going to get you into heaven. You think you're building up brownie points? If you're laboring because of your love for the Lord and the love for the people, it brings you joy and peace. And you don't even worry about what the outcome is going to be because your reward is going to be in heaven, not on this side. Freedom and deliverance comes from the belief in the cross and blood of Jesus only. And if we're not believing it, we can't receive it. And so what you do, you put your focus on the blood of Jesus on the cross and you, and you pray and you believe the word that says this is going to happen when you do that. See, we do one or two things. We either put it in ourselves and what we're able to do by the labor or we don't accept it and we can't believe it. So we accept the symptoms, the sickness, the disease, whatever, and keep on moseying on with it. And maybe one day. And when you, glor you glorify it, when you lift it up and you talk about it and you say, my, my diabetes, my high blood pressure, my arthritis, my vertical, my, 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 my. Well, you own it? You're owning it? It belongs to you? I thought Jesus came to set you free. I thought his blood is a cleansing factor that says that by his stripes, you were healed. And he took as many stripes as there are diseases in the world. So nothing was left. 
even though some diseases are new to us, Jesus knew about them. And there's a strike for every one of them. So I'm going to receive it and hold on to it until Jesus tells me to let go. And just because you don't get microwave healing don't mean it's not working. The reason why it's taking longer because he's elevating your faith. He's trying to see if you're going to hold on to it or you're going to let it go because you didn't see it right away. It's already done. You remember the, the, the leopards? They were healed the moment Jesus touched them, but they wasn't cleansed until they, by a walk of faith, went to tell the priest that they had been healed. By the time they arrived to the priest, their eyes could see the physical healing. That was to elevate their faith, to hold on to it. Just because we don't see things right away don't mean it's not working. And, and, and guess what? You can stop it from working because you don't see it. Then you start speaking that doubt and claiming that mess again. And so then it stops. And when it stops, he says, don't be weary in well-doing because in due season you shall reap. Because, see, when, if you stop it before your due season, you know, then you got to start, go all the way back to the beginning and start that course all over again. Start back all over again. Because you were just at the brink of due season and you stopped believing. So he had to back you up. Let's start again. And the heresy, Christian's component, did not deny Christ, but dethroned him. They didn't deny him, but they dethroned him. And let me tell you, when we don't walk in faith, that's what we're doing. Oh, Jesus is my Lord, but I can't believe that he can heal me. I can't believe that he can do this for me. He, you're dethroning him. He was not regarded as divine as, or as creator of the universe, and his death was thus deprived of any saving merit. You know, you got these folks that say that uh, they call on the name of Jesus and they believe in God, but they don't believe in the power of, of Jesus and they don't believe he was sent as the Messiah to save them. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I don't have to name them, do I? Your soul goes to eternal life in the kingdom of God or eternal hell. So the choice that you choose to what to believe, the body is going to decay, but your soul lives on. And who you choose to trust, believe, what you choose to believe and who you choose to trust in will be the determining factor of where you spend eternal life at. Amen. Okay? In other words, religious spirits denotes either an occult or religious cult. It's fed by religious spirits. So y'all hear me always saying, I hate religion. That's why. And so we have just been exposed to the various different components of religion. So some of them were occults, and then there was the religious cult, which was the Christians. Christian cults that are not speaking the true word. It's been watered down and skirted around to be popular, to draw in the many. And, and people are doing whatever they think they need to do and have all the many people and have people to like them, and then they'd be popular, and you know, you, you go and you on TV and you're everywhere else. You know, we're supposed to go and take the gospel around the world, but take the gospel, not your charisma, not your personality, and not your hand out for gain. Because that's why people are not getting saved and not getting free, because we are pimping the gospel, perpetrating. When you preach the true gospel of Jesus Christ, souls get saved. Hearts are changed and turned. The big following does not denote the true Christianity, it just denotes the wonderful grouping and the popularity and, and the good stuff that tickles your ears. Because I want to tell you, when real truth goes forth, you may not have so many people following. Amen. Because the truth is hard to digest. And we all have to digest it. The real harsh truth, we have to digest that. And, and so that we can really be free. But when that truth goes out, when this truth goes out, 
it penetrates your heart. And it presses on your soul. So change automatically will happen because you're receiving it. That's conviction. And when we're convicted, we're convicted out of something into Christ. Now, it says the purpose for this letter, the the letter aim was to refute the Colossians heresy, to demonstrate the preeminence of Christ, and to conform the addresses in the Christian faith. So, what I discovered, in the book of Colossians, Paul stresses these five points. One is, Jesus Christ is fully God. And the verses that support that would be uh, chapter 2, verse 9. Jesus Christ is fully God. The second point is Jesus Christ as creator. That's the first chapter, the 16th verse. The third point, Jesus Christ as preeminent over the universe and the church. That's the first chapter, verses 17 through 18. The fourth point, Jesus Christ is the Savior. First chapter, 20 to 21 verse. And the last point is, because Jesus Christ is over all the saints of God, believers are complete in him. Chapter 2, verse 10. I'm going to say that one again. Because Jesus Christ is over all the saints of God, Believers are complete in him. If you believe that, then you don't fast to make yourself look good. If you believe that, you don't labor in the body of Christ to get brownie points. You do it because you are complete in him. And you're just using your gifts and talents to edify the body of Christ, not to be seen or known. Now, Paul stressed gospel points to pull the Colossian church out of the clutches of the syncretistic sex and protect them from the heresy of each group, paganism, Judaism, and Christian heresy, all of which we face today in a changing world. This is why Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 6, 12, to fight the good fight of faith. That's the fight that we should be fighting, but instead we're fighting each other in the church. Christians are fighting each other in in today's world over political views. We should all be in the same court because we're not following the view of, an, of any po- politician or political person. We're following the view of Christ. And then we pray for the rest because there's no perfect person to be seated anywhere. The only person that sits high and looks low, his name is God. Okay? And so when we choose to take the high road to meet his demands, he'll fix everything else. That's what the Bible tells us. In the Old Testament, tells us all through the Old Testament, when you choose to go the right, right way, he'll fix the rest of this stuff. We're choosing to try to get the other stuff fixed, and then God, you know, we'll work you in if we can. But you understand. Do y'all hear me? When we choose to go his way, because somebody is using his morals and his commands, then God will fix the rest of the stuff that they can't fix or they don't even know that they're a problem. So you don't choose by personality. You choose by what this person is standing for. And you pray about the rest. But we're learning as this other stuff is being exposed big time. So you see the real heart, you see the real deal as this stuff is being exposed. And so we need to be praying hard. We need to, not only for them, but for ourselves, for being deceived. 
Let me tell you, there's only one way to Christ. There's only one Lord, one faith, one Holy Spirit. There's no in-between. There's no opposite. We just read in there, you can't be hot and cold. You got to stand one way, one way. You may not understand it all, but you stand there one way. And you let God work the rest out. You don't have to worry about trying to explain it to other people, especially when you're talking about family members. You don't have to explain it. Don't even have the conversation or the dialogue. Because people want to talk and philosophize to sound good. Well, God ain't calling for people who sound good. He's calling for people who are good. Like I said, the good fight of faith is that we are trusting the gospel of Jesus Christ, which was revealed in the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. And without that knowledge, there is no gospel message. That is the gospel message. Amen. There, without recognizing the cross and the blood of Jesus, there is no gospel. Life and creation begin with Jesus and God. Go to John 1. This, this may seem elementary, but I think it is absolutely necessary for all of us. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. In the beginning, Jesus was in the beginning. And when God created the earth, he spoke. His word brought everything in creation. Amen. The same was in the beginning with God. He's saying Jesus was with God in the beginning. And Jesus became flesh, dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Means the darkness could not do nothing with that light. The darkness can't put this light out. Amen. So if we don't have the understanding of who Jesus is, we have no life. You can talk about God all the rest of your days. But if you don't know who Jesus is, you have no life and you have no future. We will not get through in this world and accomplish what needs to be, be accomplished with only believing in God only. Jesus says, when you see me, you see the Father. Amen. And I'm here to do what the Father tells me to do. So you cannot reject Jesus, and you can't call him no prophet, no man, or none of that. He is the Messiah, yes. the sent one. Amen. And when you hear the word Christ, That's not Jesus' last name. That's his title. The anointed, powerful one. That's who he is. And without him, you have no faith. You have no being. You are just existing. What mercy is operating on your life to allow you an opportunity to get the truth and get in it and stay with it. That's the only reason why you ain't dead yet when you won't accept Jesus Christ. Because his mercy is prevailing to give you the opportunity after opportunity to accept him. You're not thriving and surviving because you, you, what you know and what you have accumulated and what you have. You're only here because God's mercy is prevailing. And that he loved you so much that he chose to keep you here till you get the truth. So that you don't perish. Because he don't want none to perish. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. None should perish. And if we don't get that truth and get that understanding, and if you got it, tell it to your folks that don't have it. Because they are going to perish if they don't get it. And let me tell you, it is a right out sin to keep that truth because you want to have a good relationship with a family member. 
You want to have a good relationship where both of you are temporal here on earth and allowing that soul to go to hell for eternity. If you love Jesus, you don't want to see a soul perish. And then that's not just your folks, but anybody. If you really love Jesus, you don't want to see a soul perish. So you don't go alone to get alone. That's, that's not peace. That's false peace. Remember what Jesus says? I didn't come to bring peace on this earth. I came to bring a separation, a variance. And my word does that. It separates the light from the dark, the evil from the good, the truth from the lie. It comes to separate, not to cohabitate. Okay, uh, I have a little sidebar here. For the new converts, let me give you a plan that will equip you and encourage you and, and, and fill you with wisdom from above. And as a new believer, begin reading the book of John. That tells you whose you are. The book of Romans, that tells you who you are. And the book of Hebrews tells you why you are. After that, then you can go to the beginning of the Bible and begin with Genesis. This was how I was instructed when I got saved and, and how to study as I cried out to know the Bible and to have wisdom. I remember telling God, give me wisdom like you gave Solomon and all this other stuff, I can get it. And I, after I got saved, and by crying out to God, wanting to know and understand his word, the Lord gave me that plan. This didn't come from no physical teacher. This came from the teacher. So I know it works, okay? And when we follow his rules, he will prepare you to be a true disciple a true follower of God, because wisdom comes from above. Amen? Amen. For this cause, since the day that I've heard about your faith, I cease not to pray for you and, and the desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord into all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthening with all might according to his glorious power and unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which had made all of us to meet and to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen.